Okay, let's pray. Father God, just thank you for today. Thank you for the opportunity to be up here today. Just bless everybody in this room. Just uh, give me the words to speak clearly. And just help our hearts to be open and our ears to be open for what you have for us today. In your name we pray. Amen. Okay, so I heard an oh, but don't worry. Don't worry. This is all planned, I think. You know, we did pay off the building last month, so um, I'm not sure there was money left over for the light bill. Linda's over here. She can tell me if she paid it or not, but so I, I think it's paid, so I think we're good. But today is a passage in the, that we'll, you'll recognize because last time I was up here, we, I spoke about some of that too that it, I just didn't cover all of it. It was not enough time to do that. So in the great words of Paul Harvey, if some of you remember Paul Harvey, I, hear, I saw a few shakes and a few yeses, and he said, and now the rest of the story. So many of you are probably sitting there going, I can't see. Will you turn on the lights? So today's the story that is a, I, I want to set the scene because it's about darkness and it's to take set in, in the dark. And I don't know if anybody has been to a sight and sound theater. Has anybody been to one of those before, even know what I'm talking about? Well, last fall, my wife and I went to one in Branson, Missouri. And what it is, and we can talk about Branson, Missouri later, why you would go to Branson, Missouri. But what they do in this, these sight and sound theaters is they try to, they tell a Bible story. And so they, they, the whole auditorium is basically out of the scene of whatever the Bible story is. And they try to, they act in the crowd and in all kinds of sight and sound. And so that it tries to make the people in the audience feel like they're actually in the setting of the, the story that they're telling. And so since we don't have the same budget as a sight and sound theater, the best I could do was turn the lights off for you. <laughs> So now let's, let's get into the story of what we have here. It's going to be out of John 3, verses 1 and 2. It says, it'll be on your screen also. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one can perform the signs you are doing if God were not with you, with him. Now, Nicodemus is a person out of the Bible that we only see in John. There isn't any other stories about Nicodemus except for in John. Nicodemus' name is victor over people. That's what the name Nicodemus means. And so it's kind of a fitting name for who Nicodemus was. I don't know if you caught that, but he was a Pharisee. It even says that he was a member of the Jewish ruling council. So this guy was way up there. He was, he was the religious leader of the day. And, you know, maybe even Nicodemus could consider himself that he just was better than anybody else because of his position, because of his stature, that he actually maybe looked down on people. And maybe, maybe because of his name, he even thought that he was a victor of the people, that he was a champion of the people, that... Like I said, when it came to religion, he was the man. That's the man you go to, to the, for answers. He knew every law. 
He tried to live by every law. And if you needed an answer, that was the man to go to. So he was an example of who we should be when we grew up. You know, parents would be on the street and they would say, they would see that, that Nicodemus over there and go, oh, guys, look at that Nicodemus standing on the corner there. He's got all his robes and he just knows all. That's who you want to be someday. Or remember when you were young and you would be in the backseat of the car and be fighting with your sisters? And you'd be, well, I'm glad somebody fought with their sisters, but, you know, you'd just be fighting with each other. Your mom would say, knock it off, knock it off. You don't want to be like this person. You want to be like this Nicodemus over here. See that? Nicodemus didn't fight with his sister. Look how he turned out. That's what you want to be. So back to Nicodemus. Why do you think he came in the dark? Why do you think he came in the dark to meet with Jesus? Maybe... Maybe Nicodemus didn't want to be seen that he was meeting with Jesus. Maybe he didn't want to be seen by the other Pharisees to see him. Or maybe he was actually sent by the Pharisees to meet with Jesus to maybe try to trick him or try to bait him, try to get him to say something so that they could arrest him or do something to him. Maybe he was also just, that was the only time he could get with Jesus. That was the only time was at night in the dark because usually there was crowds all around him and there wasn't any other time to get Jesus alone. So the text, it doesn't really say why. It doesn't say why, that, why this was at night. There's lots of possibilities, lots of reasons why maybe he could come in the dark and maybe just because, of, as you'll see in this whole story, maybe it was just so that Nicodemus could actually get what Jesus was telling him to see the light better. So, something else that Nicodemus says is he calls Jesus rabbi. If you picked up on that, rabbi. So rabbi was a term that you would use as someone that you would say was your teacher. Someone that maybe you had a little higher position than you. Which would be kind of odd, based on who Nicodemus was. was so was Nicodemus really calling Jesus a teacher? If you know in the Bible, the Pharisees, that was the group that didn't like Jesus. They wanted to kill Jesus. They, wanted, they didn't like his message. They didn't understand it. But yet Nicodemus called him rabbi. So was Jesus really trying to, was he acknowledging? Did he, was he giving Jesus acknowledgement? Did he see Jesus as his master? Did he see him as somebody that he could learn from? So maybe... Again, is that why Jesus or why Nicodemus maybe came at night? That he was afraid if he actually did come to see Jesus at night, that his, his buddies, the Pharisees, would kick him out and say, you know what, I'm sorry, Nick, you're out. You can't, if you're going to come hang out with that Jesus guy, you can't be part of us anymore. So he's afraid. Did he see who Jesus for who he really was? Maybe he was just curious. Maybe he was searching for some truth. Where did... Nicodemus, maybe he was patronizing, patronizing Jesus. Patronizing is a word that I think we use. We're, we use it quite a bit, but I'm not sure if we've ever really took a look at the definition of what that means. Patronizing is apparent, being apparently kind or helpful to someone, but you're betraying or you're feeling a, a feeling of superiority or condescending. Nicodemus being condescending to someone. So 
to give you an example of this, my wife and I, we, you know, I try to stay up and hip with the kids, but they'll talk about memes, and they'll make fun of us because we don't really understand what they are. So let me show you an example of a meme so everybody can be on the same page. So I think some of you have seen this before, the screaming lady and the white cat. So you can read it. Pineapple, you don't put fruit on a pizza than the cat. Tomato is a fruit too. So it's just, it's just kind of sarcasm and funny and they have different meanings to them. So my wife and I will try to participate with this with our children and we'll show them a meme or we'll show them something and it's probably not even a meme and Jackson's nice and he says, yeah, dad, that's a really funny one. That's great. That's super. But what he's really saying is I think he's going, dad, that's not funny at all. <laughs> dad, that's, that's kind of stupid. But he's, he's, he's really being condescending to me. He's mocking me. Well, then, of course, I'm smart and I figure that out. He loses his phone. He goes right to his room and he's grounded for the rest of his life. But how do we really see Jesus? How do we see Jesus? There's lots of stories that we all know. We just had Christmas, so we know about the virgin birth. We know that he's the son of God. But do we pause long enough to really realize that, you know, we can have a meeting with him too? That we can have this meeting like Nicodemus had? Or do we, when life is kind of going along well, we just do our own thing. We don't take the time to meet. But do you ever notice that when things are bad, when we, w things just aren't good, how quick we are to want to say, Jesus, help me. To have this meeting with Jesus, and, well, we want immediate answers. We want those answers right away. Or do we maybe patronize Jesus a little bit too? That when things are good, I don't need him. I don't take the time to meet with him. I've got this handled. I can do this by myself. So is Nicodemus calling Jesus rabbi because he's sincere? Does he see Jesus as capital letters, the teacher? Does he really see him as that? Is the teacher or just someone to mock? So either way, Jesus just is kind of, I think, going, I'm not going to have anything to do with this, Nicodemus. And so he gives him a response. So Nicodemus probably came to Jesus to ask him a question. Not sure, but isn't that in the Bible? A lot of times people come to Jesus to ask a question. Or they want something for him, healing or or something. So I left. To, I'm concluding that Jesus probably, or that Nicodemus had something to to want to talk to Jesus about. But did you notice Jesus just immediately said, started talking, and this is what he said. It's verse three and verse five through eight. Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God, as in heaven, unless they are born again. Very truly I tell you. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. Probably also going, that's a great answer. Jesus, you nailed that answer. 
You hit that thing right out of the park. That just makes perfect sense. All that stuff of being born again, about the water, the spirit, being born of the spirit. It all seems clear, doesn't it? Not seeing a lot of yeses. It's probably not very clear. But think of who Nicodemus was. Nicodemus was the religious ruler or leader of that time. He should have known all this. He knew the laws and the writings of the prophets better than anybody. He should have known what Jesus was saying with this. But I don't think it is really clear. I don't think, I don't think Nicodemus got it. In fact, in verse 4, this is what Nicodemus says. He goes, how can someone be born when they are old? Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. And then I think Nicodemus was, I think he was kind of just giving up. He says, how can this be? How can this be? It's a good question. How can this be? I think sometimes in life, don't we ask those questions of Jesus? Something happens or things just in life like we don't understand. We just go, how can this be? How can this be? Now, some of the moms in this room, when they say being born again, are probably thankful that it's not a physical birth. <laughs> they don't want to go through that again with an adult-sized kid. <laughs> but Jesus isn't talking. He's talking about a new birth in the Spirit, a birth that is only found in accepting Jesus. That's what he's talking about. And in Ezekiel 36, 25 through 27, it will be on your screen. It says, I will sprinkle you clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Now, Nicodemus, as I said, he was at the pinnacle of being religious in that day. He was at the top. And in his mind, he, there's, I'm going to heaven for sure. I have a spot in there for sure. You know, he was born into the right family. He followed all the laws. He knew all the scriptures. He knew everything there was to know, but Jesus was saying to him, you might be all that. You might be all that and even more. But you know what? I'm sorry. My father that sent me down here to be with you, he doesn't have a spot for you. He doesn't have a room for you unless in heaven unless you follow me. It's not a place. So unless you're born again within the spirit, not in your flesh. Now there's another story out of Ezekiel, the next chapter, 37, verses 1 through 14. I'm not going to put that on the screen because it's a little long. Some of you may know this. This is the story of, of dry bones. There's this children's song, I think, about dry bones. But the Ezekiel, God takes Ezekiel out to this field, and he sees all of these bones. And he starts talking to him about these bones coming to life, asking him, can these bones come to life? And he says to Ezekiel, he says, pray over these bones, prophesize to these bones, and they'll come to life. Flesh will become their bones. They'll come together, and these bones will live. And so verse 9, this is what it, what it says. It says, 
Come from the four winds, O breathe, and breathe into these slain that they may live. And they did. God breathed life into these bones and they, they lived. The wind blew and the spirit came and they, these, there was life in these bones. So this is a story again that Nicodemus should be well aware of. He should know this story. And he should know this story and know what it's about, what Jesus is trying to tell him. And he should know that, you know what, your other Pharisees, you, you and your buddies, you guys should know this, that you're, you're dead. All of you are dead. Unless my spirit blows over you, giving you life. Unless you're born again. Unless you let me cleanse you. Sorry, Nicodemus, all of those things that you know and that you think, they're not bad. Those are good things, but me, Jesus, I need to fill you with the Spirit. It's not laws, it's not rituals, it's not all these things that you practice that get you into the kingdom, get you into heaven, to get you eternal life with God. It's being born again in the Spirit, to let the Spirit fill you and give you life, to blow over you like the wind. So I think he's saying, just acknowledge me, Nicodemus, for who I am for who I really am, to let me, Jesus, give you eternal life. Not all these things that you practice, not all these laws. Now, I think in verse 10, Nick, Jesus turns the tables on Nicodemus a little bit. I think this is where Jesus actually patronizes Nicodemus a little bit. He, it's be on your screen also. It says, you are Israel's teacher, and do you not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know, and we testify of what we have seen. But still, you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of God. So how many of you remember from ESPN a few years ago, Chris Carter and he had this segment. They said, come on, man. Does anybody remember that? Chris Carter would show a segment of like football players or things, and, and he would, they would do something that just would be questionable. It just wouldn't be very the right thing to do and odd. And so Chris Carter would say, he'd, he'd challenge him, and he'd say, come on, man. And so that was the segment of the, the thing. And so I think what Jesus does next in these next following statements is, is he gives him a Nicodemus a challenge. I think he's going, come on, Nicodemus. You're Israel's teacher. You're the teacher of Israel. But yet you don't understand. Come on, man. How are you going to understand anything else I have to teach you? You know, Nicodemus, you did call me rabbi. You called me rabbi, and I think you wanted a lesson. So you know what, Nicodemus? Sit down. I'm going to give you a lesson. I'm going to teach you a little bit. So Nicodemus, Jesus is, ta is challenging Nicodemus on what he thinks he knows. He's challenging him on his, his position that he has, his security that he thinks he has in he to get into heaven. Everything that Nicodemus knew, Jesus is challenging him. Now, I think I'm a, kind of a smart person. I've got a lot of college. I went to this college and I have a math and biology degree. And so I, I, I should know some things. 
And so my children will come to me with math problems. And they'll come to say, Dad, I need your help. I can help. So I'm, I kind of go, okay. I got this. Kind of all puff myself up. Maybe like Nicodemus. Like, come on. Bring it on. I got this. I know this. So this is the question he'll ask me. He'll say, in triangle ABC, the measure of angle B is 90 degrees, BC equals 16, and AC equals 20. Triangle DEF is similar to triangle ABC, where verticals DE and F correspond to vertices A, B, and C. Respectively, in each side of triangle DEF is one-third of the length of the corresponding side of triangle ABC. What is the value of F? What? <laughs> Come on, man. Give me something easy. So, exactly what... Jesus is saying, all this vast knowledge that I have or that I think I have is probably like I'm left wondering like Nicodemus. like, How can this be? How can this be, this problem? So my child has challenged me and I'm left sitting there knowing nothing. And I'm just in the dark. Just sitting there in the dark. That's what Jesus did to Nicodemus. Showing him it's not what you know or where you live or where you come from that gets you eternal life. Rather, it's who you know. Nicodemus, it's who you know. Nicodemus, do you know Jesus? Jesus may be asking, do you know who I am? Do you know what I have to offer you? Do you know that I'm the one waiting for you? Do you know that, remember the one that sent me? You know, God, I'm God's son. Why, why are you making this so complicated, Nicodemus? Just like that math problem. That was complicated. The answer is complicated. But it's not that complicated. Maybe today, people are so God's challenging one of us today. He's challenging us like, do you know who I am? Do you know who I really am? And on cue, before Nicodemus has a chance to respond, Jesus gives him some, the answer. Gives him the, some answers. He goes, come on, man. Come on, Nicodemus. How are you supposed to understand these heavenly things if you can't understand the things that are right in front of you? These things that are right in front of you on earth. If you don't understand those, how, how am I... How are you supposed to get this? You can't, you're blind. You can't see it. You're in the dark. Just going to confuse you more. But you know what? I'm going to give you some answers anyway. He's going to give him some answers to that question that he asked. How can this be? It starts in verse 14 and 15. It says, Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life, may have eternal life in him. Now I have a slide that I'm going to put up here. How many people recognize this slide? It's a slide we see in an ambulance. It's, it's a universal symbol for medicine and health care. Have we ever wondered why? Why is that, why is, why do we, why is that the, the sign of health care? Anybody wonder that? Well, even if you don't want to know, I'm going to tell you anyway. <laughs> so, Numbers 21, 4 through 9 is where that comes from. And it's a story of the Israelites grumbling again because they're not getting what they want or what they think they need. 
Now, the story right before this, God has just delivered the Canaanites to them, and they totally decimated them. They obliviated them, wiped them out. But here they are. They go, I'm thirsty. I want some, something to drink. I don't like this food. I want other food. Can't we have something else to eat? You know, kind of like when you have a teenager at home. <laughs> they, they say, I don't like that food that you cooked. I want something else. I'm thirsty. Can you get me something to drink? And they're just laying there on the couch on their phone. It's kind of what the Israelites are doing. And you know what? God is saying, come on, man. <laughs> come on, you Israelites. Come on. What, what don't you get? I think God's going, how can this be? But so God's sick of it. He's tired of their whining. So he sends down some venomous snakes. And these snakes go around biting the Israelites and they all die. Or they're dying. So if you get bit, you die. So as usual, the Israelites wake up and they come to Moses and they say, probably whining too, like, I'm tired, I'm sorry, please forgive us, God. Will you talk to God and say, give us some help and heal us? And so let's pick up that story in verses 8 and 9. It says, the Lord said to Moses, make a snake and put it up on a pole. Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it up on a pole. Then when anyone was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze, pole, bronze snake, he lived. Now this is a story Nicodemus should know. He should know this story very well. And so I think he's saying, Nicodemus, come on, man, do you understand now? Come on, do you know it? When people looked at the pole, they lived. They guaranteed death. They weren't going to live on their own. They were going to die. But when they looked at the pole, they lived. They asked for forgiveness. They believed. They had faith. So I think Jesus again saying, come on. Have you figured it out now? All of us have been bitten. Nicodemus, you've been bitten. Guaranteed death, and you need saving. And I think he's saying, Nicodemus, look at me. Look at me. I'm the Savior. I'm the one you've been looking for. I'm the Savior that you came in the dark to see. Just look at me right here in front of you. All that stuff you know, it's not going to get you there. It's easy. Just look at me. The kingdom of God isn't going to work. It's right here. Be born again in the Spirit. Nicodemus, cast your eyes on Jesus, and he'll save you. Nicodemus, it's easier than keeping all these laws. Just look to Jesus. That's how we're born again. We're born again in the spirit, in your heart, not just by knowing everything. Now this next section, last month we, we covered this a little bit, and it's verses 16 to 18. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. 
Now, Nicodemus was one of the, he figured and thought himself as one of the chosen people. Remember, he was the Pharisee. Felt he had internal life because of who he was. But I think what Nicodemus didn't realize, and he was saying, come on, man, come on. I didn't come for just you. I didn't come for just you and your buddies. Everybody else just perishes. I came for the whole world, Nicodemus. Not just you and your group of friends, the religious leaders. I came for the whole world. I came for everybody in this room. I came for everybody in this city, in this nation, in this world. Again, Jesus is saying, I'm right here. I'm in front of you talking to you right now. You only need to accept me. Accept me as your Savior. I came to give eternal life that you want. Just believe in me. Let your spirit be born again. There's one more answer that Jesus has for Nicodemus in this section. It's in verse 19 and 21. It says, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness. Instead of light, because their deeds were evil, everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear of their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that they have done what they have done has been done in the sight of God. So remember my dog, Obi? Some of you guys might remember my dog, Obi, from last summer. Showed a picture of him. He's a golden retriever. He's a pretty friendly dog. And so Obi likes to pout and, and hide, but he kind of reminds me of these verses. So we'll leave for a while, and um, we wonder where Obi is, and he's hiding underneath the bed. And Well, Obi, while we've been gone, has left a little present for us downstairs, maybe. It's brown, and it's, you know, and it smells really bad. Or perhaps another thing he likes to do is he likes to eat the, the, he likes to eat the poop out of the cat litter. And yeah, that's gross. It's disgusting. So he'll go and hide under the bed because I think he's worried that his evil deed will be exposed, that we'll see that. And I'm like, does he really think that I'm not going to know it's him? So, does Nicodemus think that Jesus really doesn't know his heart? Does he really think that Jesus doesn't know that Jesus, Jesus isn't the light? Jesus is the light that exposes the darkness. Nicodemus, you don't have to come to me in the dark. You don't have to hide. Nicodemus, do you love the darkness more than the light? Again, Nicodemus, it's me. It's Jesus. I'm the light of the world. I'm the light that gives you eternal life. The kingdom of God that you want so badly that you're looking for? Nicodemus, will you see me as the light? Will you see me as the Savior? Now, we started with the lights all off, and notice the lights are back on. I want to share one more verse with you in Romans 5, verses 20 through 21. It says the law was added so that the trespass might increase. But your sin increased, grace increased all the more, so that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Nicodemus lived by the law. He knew the law better than anybody. 
In fact, he saw probably sin in almost everything. We don't know why Nicodemus came to Jesus. We don't know. Maybe it was to mock him. Maybe it was to trap him. Maybe he was curious. Maybe he wanted to know more about Jesus. But Jesus took over that conversation and he, he was pointing Jesus to who he really was. Who Jesus really was. Jesus was the Savior. Jesus was, I think he was trying to say, is Nicodemus, you can't see. Turn on the light. Turn the light to me. Turn on the light to me, Jesus. Set me and receive the spirit that gives eternal life. So what about us? Do we like darkness more than the light? Can we turn off all the lights again? Just wait a second, turn them all off. Darkness can kind of be uncomfortable. It's not completely dark, but if it was pitch dark in a room like this, it, it'd be really dark. It'd probably be un uncomfortable. So leave it on for a minute. I want to tell a scary story. <laughs> so we'll have a slide up here. Yeah, uh, that's, that's kind of scary, isn't it? So when I was young, you know, when you're young, you always want to stay up late, right? You want to stay up. And, and so my dad would, uh, growing up on the farm, he would make a deal with me. He said, you know what, I'll let you stay up late, but here's what you have to do. We, you know, irrigating, you have these dams that, well, dam up the water, and that's how you irrigate. So he'd say at about 11 o'clock, you have to go out and you have to pull the dam. So <laughs> reluctantly, I said, okay, I guess I will, because I'm deathly ill. I'm, I'm afraid of the dark. I don't want to go out there. So here I go, trotting along. I got my flashlight, but I get to where I need to go, and I go to reach down, and just the light kind of catches just as I'm about to grab this dam, and there's three of those sitting there right where I was going to grab. And, you know, as a kid, they were like this big. <laughs> Reality, they were probably only that big, but there was three wolf spiders. We can turn the lights back on. Spiders are scary things. In fact, to a 10-year-old kid, those are evil. Those are just flat evil things. And I was scared to death. But you don't want to know what? During the day, I would have walked up and I would have had no problem just to reach, you kind of brush the spiders along and just reach down and pull that, pull that away. Because the light would have exposed them. They couldn't have hid in the dark. But in the dark, no way do I want to grab that. No way do I want to be there. So it's the same thing with Jesus. Things just don't seem to be as scary anymore. When we come into the light and out of the darkness, things just aren't as scary anymore. When we recognize Jesus as a light and accept him for who he is, things aren't as scary anymore. So today, can we decide to walk in the light? to no longer like the darkness, to walk in the light of Jesus, to accept Jesus and let him be our light. Let's pray.